Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your award-winning podcast where we talk about the Bible, global pandemics, and the church's response to both. Uh, I'm Zach Paris, and with me today is uh, Shelley Bryan. We, the Bishop of the Northwest, Northwest or Northwestern uh, Washington Synod. Yes, hello, Northwest. Northwest, no Western. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Shelley, for coming on the podcast for our uh, emergency uh, episode here as things change very quickly uh, in the church's response to coronavirus stuff. You are up there in Washington, where I imagine things are uh, further along than they might be for for, for others of us. So I uh, just wanted to check in and see what life has been like for you all uh, over this past week or so. Well, it's uh, every day is a different scenario. Um, I was telling someone earlier today that two weeks ago, I sent out a letter on a Saturday that said, basically, we'll be okay. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And maybe not use the common cup. Mm -hmm. And seven days later, I said, we need to go to online worship, especially for the Seattle areas, if possible, because we need to think of the vulnerable population that, uh, that we are uh, shepherding. And so, so for, in seven days, it completely changed from, from a little lighthearted, you know, let's think about it, to this is really serious, and yeah. we need to protect those who, um, who are going to come to worship. Here's the thing. It's not the 40-year-old that is like, oh, fine, I don't need to go to church. It's the 85-year-old who mm-hmm. has never missed a day of worship, and they're still going to come because they're in charge of coffee hour, and they're going to be there, even if coffee hour has been canceled. So, um, so for the sake of the vulnerable, we are uh, encouraging, strongly encouraging, because in the ELCA, we cannot cancel we cannot say it's canceled but we are strongly 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 urging that you uh, go to online worship i did not know we can't say that it's canceled no not in our polity because bishops oh, cannot you have can't that say it, that it's canceled okay uh gotcha yes. yes you as a bishop cannot say that it's that it's canceled um where I find myself here in Boulder, uh, yesterday morning, the university uh, announced that we were moving to online classes for the rest of the of the term, uh, and th- on through uh, graduation, and, and and where I find myself is really kind of caught between the church's responsibility to to protect the vulnerable, like you said, to promote and to model good uh, public health behavior uh, with. What I imagine is the church's kind of initial response to most crises is is that the power of the church so often is in, in gathering people. So we have students, you know, whose college careers just ended suddenly on campus, that we have folks who are, are far from home uh, in a dorm, not sure what to do. Uh, and I, I feel the instinct is so much of it is to, to gather folks, but to also know that that's probably not the best health policy. Um how are you seeing that tension in in your place, and how are y'all y'all navigating that? Yes, that's a huge tension because as as community, that's what we are. We're holy community, and that's that's what we've been forever. That's that's who we are, 
And so that's that tension is real. What I am so amazed at, and and I'm in awe of really of my rostered leaders, of the pastors and deacons that that have um, that are really on the forefront of this uh, as they navigate, is how can we be community when we are unable to meet? And um, we have been having daily uh, COVID-19 meetings by Zoom, which is a, a, a platform, and talking about different ideas. Today, actually, I just got off that call to, to uh, talk with you, Zach, mm-hmm. and, the, um, and today's topic was how do you do pastoral care in the, in the age of COVID-19? And people are re, uh, reigniting their phone trees, the phone trees that kind of <laughs> died out. They're redoing it, you know. They're dividing up. They're either calling that, every single. Is that person. like one of those display cases at the cell phone store? <laughs> exactly. Is that what that is? I'm not. <laughs> a phone tree is. Well, let me explain a phone tree. Okay, to okay, good. Our, <laughs> <laughs> it's where um, it's like if you have a prayer concern, and so you call Gladys and say, Gladys. Um, you know, George is sick in the hospital. And so then Gladys calls the next person that's on her list and the next person calls the next person on their list and, and on and on until you've contacted everybody in the congregation that George is sick in the hospital and please pray for him. So we've gone way away from that because we have all these other ways of, of communicating, but now we don't. So yeah. the phone tree is back and, and people are calling to make sure, especially the people who who don't have internet or don't can't figure out how to get on any sort of um, media um, that they can answer the phone. They know how to do that. They've been doing that for a long time. And so, so the pastor, uh, some of the pastors that I talked with are calling every single member in their Mm -hmm. congregation uh, to make sure that they're okay. Others have divided it up among council or mutual ministry or, or some other way so that, um, so that they can be together. Um, Some are sending out daily prayers. Some are, um, are hosting a Bible study online where they sit there, uh, you know, at their desk and, and they talk to the people and the people who can figure out technology are, are on there and, uh, and, uh, and then they type in questions and then they have this great conversation or if it's Zoom or Skype or some ways that they can um, actually communicate verbally, then they're talking and seeing each other. And, um, and, and what's interesting is, is, is it's new possibilities. You know, sometimes we, we keep talking about, you know, we should do this and we should do that. But but we go on and on and don't really do that. But mm-hmm. in a time of crisis, suddenly uh, adapt, adaptation just takes off. And so the adapting that, that has happened in two weeks is incredible to me. And I will uh, say it's part of most of it's all because of my amazing pastors who are trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to be community in this time. Another thing that they're doing is, is saying, do you need groceries? Do you hmm. need, you know, what is it that you need? We will deliver things to your doorstep. We won't come in, um, you know, but, but we will deliver to your doorstep. Um, uh, you know, what, what is it that, that, so, so all of these things were they're they're rethinking different ways of being community together. And, and I am just, I am so, so proud and, and humbled and, just privileged to be their bishop because they are doing a wonderful, thoughtful reflection um, with their leaders in their congregations. Yeah, I love. I mean, so we are the vinyl preacher. So, so uh, 
if you're looking for a podcast that's a proponent of going backwards in technological advances, uh, that's what we're about. In fact, uh, we in the fall with our students, we had a they because because they wanted it, we had a letter writing workshop. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm envisioning this is great. I hadn't thought of this. I I spent part of my day earlier today. Uh, you know. I'm always writing thank you notes to, to all the folks who, who support us and stuff. Um, handwritten letters perhaps have, uh, have a place, uh, a renewed place in this, uh, in the environment in which we find ourselves. Yeah. What a great idea to send to the, to, to anybody, but especially those who, you know, are, you know, cannot get out. What a great idea to, to send a handwritten letter. How, how long has it been since we've, you know, done that? So yeah, great idea. Right, typewriter sales are going to go through the roof. Um, <laughs> and might I suggest to, to to pastors, you know, because we're a preaching podcast, mostly we get preaching advice. Maybe what you should do during these days uh, is record your your sermon on a on a cassette tape, and just make copies of that and send it just <laughs> onto one cassette, and then send it to the mail and do like a. What were the letters? The okay. chain mail. There you go, chain letter uh, with your sermon in it that everybody right. has stone. To listen to it. That's a great idea. Yeah. Actually, I will say one of the things that, that we learned last week, because last week was our first Sunday where many of the congregations did um, online worship. And the ones that were the most successful were the ones that just sat at their desk and preached like like their face was was in the computer. Not some went to uh, to their worship space and they filmed like the whole empty space, which was a little um, well, empty, but, um, but, but, but if you're close, it was much more intimate and, and their preaching style changed completely from, yeah. you know, when you, when, and, and I, I think that people who were home just felt a much bigger connection, um, preaching in that way, um, rather than when you go in your, and you're, uh, in a much larger space. So, so it's just a whole different way of, of thinking how to do this. And I know one of, one of the pastors that I spoke with, she said that, um, that she was asking questions and what she learned is that you can't ask a question and then immediately expect a response because people mm-hmm. have to figure out how to, how to answer and, they have to you write know, the all letter, that. Put it in the mail. Right. It's got to get back to you. <laughs> but it was, it was just a whole different experience. So, um, so, uh, it's maybe this is, you know, this is, I, I will not say I'm not anxious cause I am mm-hmm. and I'm trying to trust in the Lord, but it's also anxious. I mean, I'm, I'm anxious. Um, but, but there are some opportunities that, that maybe we can, we can see. Um, someone told me today and in, in the midst of all of our anxiety, they said, you know, when birds, I don't know if this, I, I just heard this from someone. So, so don't someone come back to me and say, that is not true because I don't know. I'm just saying this <laughs> and I like it. So I'm holding on to it. Is, uh, and preaching is doesn't birds, have to be factual. Oh. It just needs to be true. Exactly. Birds didn't develop feathers at first to fly. They developed feathers to keep warm. Mm. And it was only when birds like fell down out of trees and then Mm -hmm. they discovered that their feathers could actually make them fly, that they discovered they could fly. And, um, and I was like, Oh, Hey, that's a great image. (laughs) I'm going to hold on to that. Whether or not it's historical. As a pro dinosaur podcast, I think we can, we support that, that, that perspective. That's, that's that idea. Mm -hmm. I like it too. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you can work dinosaurs into your sermon this week on the woman at the well when you have no water in your font. Uh, We we think it's a good idea. 
That's right. You know, that is such a strange image. Yeah. I, well, I don't even have people gathering, so yeah. they don't even gather at the well. <laughs> Well, that's a part of the story too, though. You know, uh, we're we're talking later in this episode uh, to Nate Sutton, who's a pastor in the Puyallup. Puyallup. Um, no, Puyallup. 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 I can't. When we talk to him, I don't know how to say it either. Um, and uh, he Thank you, Pew. Yes. But it has a y'all in the middle, and that just like I see that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um. And they brought up that, that they had recent, one of their precautionary actions was they took water out of the font because people were remembering their baptism and stuff and putting their fingers in there. Uh, and he was reflecting on what he was going to do this weekend if they were going to have worship to, to preach on the one with the well with no water. Uh, but a part of that story, and we've already got our episode out on this, uh, which contextually feels like a million years ago when we recorded. Um, but a big part of that story is that there, there's nobody else at the well. Like they go to this place where nobody is. Uh, it, it's it, the 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 interaction is actually kind of remote. It's not a the wells were gathering places, but that's not what this story, the context for this story. That is fascinating. What a great, yeah, that's a great illustration. And and where else are people gathering if not there, right? Yeah. And and so, um, and for this woman, the well when she came, whatever reason why she wasn't coming at the same time, it wasn't a place of gathering. It was a place of loneliness. Yeah. And yet the word travels, right? It's one of those stories that ends with, and everybody said that Jesus was really cool guy. Um, so perhaps <laughs> right. if you're, if you're looking for the, I didn't expect to do this, uh, but if you're looking for the good news this week, perhaps it might be to lean into that trust uh, that even when we get, when, when the gathering place is empty, uh, Jesus is still there, and yet, right, the whole community is still affected by what happens in that place. Oh my gosh, that is so great! I'm writing that down because I have to make a little <laughs> video for all my people. Well, there you go, there you go, vinyl. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the vinyl, we 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 have dinosaur facts, and we have we have your sermon covered. And we have my video. <laughs> we do. We're we're good. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, what? Yeah. What do you think the future looks like? And that was one of the hard, we met, uh, my student, our student leadership team, we met last night to talk, um, mostly for me to, to hear where they're at. Um, and mm-hmm. one of the, and, and you know this, that, that, so much of what campus ministry does for students is provide some stability uh, when everything is changing anyway. And so here we have a situation where everything is changing. Um, and so f- for me, that's a part of the tension of, of, of good public health um, behavior, but also it's ingrained in me to try to be this thing of stability for students. Um, but a part of what they're most scared and concerned about is students are all about planning things even if they don't actually like do it, you know, like having a plan is really important to them. Um, and there is no plan. Like we don't know if graduation is going to happen. We don't know. Um, yeah, we don't know what things are going to look like in in three weeks. So we can't plan that. Um, what does the future look like from where you said? Well, I cannot see into the future. What? Um, I will say that now. Even even when you become bishop, you can't. Uh, that's why we got a bishop on the podcast. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Uh, and, and for those of you who don't know, um, I was a campus pastor, so mm-hmm. that's what Zach was referring to earlier when that I would know, um, because I was that for wonderful years. Um, I do know this, that we are people of faith. And I do know that we trust in God's grace and that we are informed by science. And so as we look to the future, I, I think and I trust that as we do what is being recommended and prescribed to us through those who know this disease better than I do, that it will be contained. Um, I think it's, it, we will all, you know, perhaps at some point have it, but, but it will be slowed down enough by the precautions that we are taking so that those who are at most at risk will um, hopefully uh, there will be time for hospitals and medical staff and everyone to step up so that when they do get it, they, it will, they will be able to be treated. But in the end, I, I, I think that, that as we hold science and as we trust in God, that, that even in these anxious times, we believe that, that we are the body of Christ. And that is why we do need to, and I've used this word several times, but that is why we need to look towards who are the most vulnerable. And yes, it's really hard. It's hard because I'm, I was supposed to, and I imagine I'm not now, go to London next week. Mm-hmm. Um, is that really disappointing in me? Yes. My daughter lives in London. It makes me anxious that she's there and I'm here. Um, but, but to protect people on that airplane from perhaps me, because I might be carrying it and I don't even know it, mm-hmm. I will stay home. And I think that that's what, rather than hoarding uh, things, which I think what what we can demonstrate to society is not to go to Costco and buy all the toilet paper, but to share our toilet paper with those who are in need. Um, and and that's I think that is something that we can show in the community. And so as we look forward, how can we show that the church is relevant today? It really is because. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. this community that I'm working in, this synod, is doing amazing things in the midst of, of this anxiety. One of my pastors just shared with me that he has decided he never wears a clerical shirt ever. He never wears a clerical collar. But he decided in these times that he was going to start wearing a clerical collar. And he says that, that he walks to this one coffee shop. He's walked there three times today. And it has taken him over an hour each time Hmm. to get to the coffee shop. He walks to the coffee shop, stays there, walks home, walks back to the coffee shop, walks home. And it's taken over an hour because people keep stopping him and asking him, what do you think is going to happen? And I think that shows the relevance and who we are for this world that that when times are fine, when times are good, that that we can say, oh, you know, all's well, and and you know, who cares about God? <laughs> mm-hmm. But but in these times, people are looking for something, and and as people of faith, as people who trust, and as people who have um, who who have a a, a capacity and a and a way to to see that there is more to this than than just coronavirus. That, that we can speak out and, and be with people and say there's another way. And, and let me tell you, you know, this is why I'm not running screaming to the hills. Mm. What is that other way? That other way is being holy community. And, and to go back to what we talked about at the very beginning is when we can't gather, how can we be community? And we mm. can be community by 
by uh, being in touch with each other in all of these different ways that, that we've talked about. If we can't be embodied together, which is the way that we've been always, is we can still be we can still be in community with one another. We can sh- still share God's love with one another in by by bringing groceries or by um, saying, "Do you need to go to the hospital now?" or um, or staying away from the hospital and and sending a card, as we talked about. All of those ways are ways that are opposite of how society it seems to be telling us that we are to be. Uh, to be acting in this time of crisis. We're not running to Costco and buying bottled water. Why are people buying bottled water? Is our water unsafe? I can't figure that out. When I was mm-hmm. at Costco the other day, everybody was buying bottled water. And I'm like, why? Is this the only thing that's left? So now you're buying bottled water? <laughs> so, so society is telling us to do one thing. And we say, you know what? No, we are community. We are helping these other people. We are being with these other people, and and we are uh, demonstrating that that uh, that that yes, we're anxious, but we also trust in God, and we trust that that there is more to this than than this one crisis. And you know what? Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Mm. So <laughs> we have that too. And and I truly believe that. Yeah. Amen. So I think it's uh, I think it's clear uh, it is the Christian um, the Christian's responsibility to invest uh, in bidet related technologies. Yes. Hey, can I read you something from Martin Luther? Yeah. So Martin Luther um, was uh, he was he was in the plague of fifteen eighteen or no fifteen twenty seven. So about ten years after he. Um, wrote the 95 theses, uh, he, uh, there was, the plague came to Wittenberg and Katie was actually pregnant with one of their children. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Luther decided not to leave Wittenberg. Lots of students left Wittenberg, lots of professors left Wittenberg and he didn't have a, he doesn't have a problem. He didn't have a problem with people leaving Wittenberg, mm-hmm. but he and Katie decided to stay. And not only did they stay, but they opened up their house and took in um, uh, people who had the plague, and they nursed them back to health hmm. while Katie was pregnant. And, and, and this is what Martin Luther said. He said, and this is from a tract that he wrote called, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. He wrote, Yes, no one should dare leave his neighbor unless there are others who will take care of the sick in their stead and nurse them. In such cases, cases we must respect the word of Christ. I was sick and you did not visit me. According to this passage, we are bound to each other in such a way that no one may forsake the other in his distress, but is obliged to assist and help him as he himself would like to be helped. And I believe, you know, other pronouns could be in there as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what he is saying, what Martin Luther is saying here is, is, is that, is what I said. We are to be in holy community with one another and support one another. And, um, and these words are no less true, uh, 500 years later than they were at that point. Uh, I like it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Bishop. Um, well, thank you, Pastor. Absolutely. And thank you for, uh, for your work, uh, in these days. You're welcome. Thank you. And and I will keep you all in my prayers as I hope you keep all of us in your prayers in this in this time. So thank you. Of course. Many thanks 
to the bishop for coming to the podcast today. I really appreciate getting her perspective. We are in the midst of an emergency episode of the podcast to talk about the church and coronavirus as things have really ramped up here in the past couple of days, minutes, and hours. Uh, Coming up next, we heard from Bishop Wee, a perspective from the the top of the church, Uh, but we also wanted to talk to some folks maybe on the ground a bit more, uh, some of those rostered leaders that the bishop was talking about. So uh, coming up next on the pod is a conversation I had with Nate Sutton, who is the pastor of Peace Lutheran Church uh, in, let me see if I can get it right, this one time, uh, Puyup, Puyup, Washington, uh, about what his congregation has been doing uh, as they're kind of on the, the edge of things and uh, and what and how they've been making their decisions. So check it out. Uh, here we go. Nate Sutton on the pod. With me today on the podcast is uh, the Reverend Nate Sutton, uh, pastor of Prince Lutheran Church in uh, a place whose name I'm going to give a go. Give it a go here. Uh, poo y'all up. Very good try. Really good try. The y'all in the middle called to me. Yeah. uh, Peace Lutheran Church. You also got that name wrong. What did I say? You said Prince, which which would be an amazing name for a Lutheran church, the name of the saint or the the artist formerly known as. There's certainly one in the Twin Cities area. Uh, There should be. So I've only gotten two things wrong. How do you pronounce the other part? I can pronounce peace. I'm pretty good at that part. Yeah. Peace Lutheran Church. Puyallup, Washington. South South. Puyallup. Puyallup. Yes. That's always good. It's a a tribal name. Gotcha. Gotcha. Folks who lived here before we did. Cool. Uh, So, Nate, we are recording something of an emergency edition of the podcast. Uh, Things with the coronavirus are... Happening very quickly. News is changing. Uh, what churches are doing is changing by the day. Here uh, in Boulder, the university went to all online classes yesterday, and so we're still trying to figure out what exactly that means for our community of students. But you are uh, on the ground there in Washington, where things have uh, have been happening a little sooner there than maybe in other places, or at least you're aware of it. Uh, where some of us have gotten to live in some bliss. Uh, so we just wanted to know a little bit about what, uh, how life has changed for you and for your congregation in these days. Yeah, you really put your finger on it. Um, I- I'm actually not sure that you're too far behind us now, now that there's a little bit more national attention being paid to it. Um, it's really, I-, I used to think that maybe we were in Pierce County, which is south of King County. I, I thought that maybe we were a week behind what was going on in Seattle, Seattle area. And I thought maybe everybody else was maybe about a week behind us. But the fact is, I think all of that time frame is really collapsing and we're trying to make all these decisions in real time uh, with the best information we have. Um, So I think it's a really good time for us to be having this conversation, not just because I'm in Washington and you're in Colorado. Um, uh, It's really it's been for me, the challenge has been that there's no single best practice that gets handed down from on high. It'd be really great if we had, you know, uh, perfectly knowledgeable leaders in the church or in our communities who could give us all the best information all at once and we could all make the same decisions and, and go home happy or whatever the case may be. But that's it's, it's just constant discernment. And it's really kind of hour to hour. Uh, today would be a really good example of that. We sort of starting from the end um, rather than the beginning, we, you know, I just made the decision this morning uh, to suspend all uh, food offerings, for instance, in mm-hmm. our community 
so that means um, no hospitality hour on Sunday, but it also means since we're in Lent, no you know beloved soup supper on Wednesday evening mm-hmm. before holding evening prayer. So people are sad to hear that, but I think everybody understands. Although even in the in the two hours since I've made that decision, I'm now starting to to uh, consider whether or not it might be time to to call worship. Uh, the governor is actually currently giving a press conference as we speak, in fact, uh, announcing the closure of public schools in three of the most affected counties to include our own uh, until April 24th. I mean, that's a long time from now. Um, so the question is, for how long does it continue to be practical or wise to have people gather in, uh, you know, a smaller community? Our, our, our average worship attendance is probably 100, maybe a little mm-hmm. more. That's below the 250-person threshold that the governor set in his press release yesterday. But who knows if who knows if that'll change again tomorrow? So we're having to try to make proactive and wise and um, cautious decisions, uh, even in light of the fact that I I'm still struggling with the fact that, that the church is really supposed to be a place of mutual support and care and, and a, maybe a, a spot where the community can continue to rely on the church, even if. If folks are not part of the congregation, so I'm, I'm now I'm starting to shift into that kind of thinking. What, what will the, what will be the role of the church, uh, in the next phase of clamping down on the contagion? Yeah, here again in Boulder, the Episcopal Church that hosts us uh, just a couple hours ago announced that they are uh, suspending public worship for the time being. Uh, a little more of a hierarchical system, so so a little more of word coming from on sure. high. Um, yeah, but but yeah, that. We, uh, I had dinner, not, yeah, I did have dinner. I also had it in the context of a meeting, uh, with our student leadership group last night, uh, to try to figure out exactly where they were at. I think in our context, this is a little, our context is always a little different, but this affects students a little differently because Mm -hmm. it kind of, but not clearly ended the community for the year. Sure. Um, just suddenly, like, it's really strange for graduating folks uh, because, all right, hopefully you might graduate in a month uh, or not, but your college, your experience on campus is now over. Yeah. Uh, which is super bizarre. So it's this, this tension of certainly the church has an important role to play in terms of some kind of... Uh, Typically, I get a little queasy when we talk about church and, and morals, but a moral responsibility to model uh, good public health uh, actions. But then there's also this like inherent, our response to the church's response to many crises is to gather people. Uh, that is often where our, our some of our greatest power lies. Uh, and right. here, it's not clear that that's a good thing. Yeah, I have an interesting uh, kind of liturgical uh, example of, of that tension that you're naming, um, one of the best practices that kind of got spread around, so to speak, the last few days in in past pastors' conversations was to remove water from the baptismal font, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously that's a, a point of contact that you know, you're going to get a lot of people's fingers in there when they go to remember their baptism on Sunday. So just take the water out of the font. The irony being, of course, that the water in the font is the primary symbol of our belonging in the community of faith, whether we're yeah. in worship that day or not. So, so there's this weird practical consideration that, in a way, uh, violates the spirit of of the gathering. But the practical consideration takes takes precedence, 
precisely for, you know, preserving life and health. Um, so I had this momentary realization that I would be doing a Thanksgiving for baptism on the <laughs> Sunday that we honor the story of the woman meeting Jesus at the well. Yeah, with no uh, water. With no water in the baptismal font. Wow. And, and I thought maybe I better address that and talk about what that might mean for our, for our life of faith. Anyway, really interesting time. Yeah. Oh, how, and so the second question I have for you, uh, and another question that, that uh, I've had some conversations with Matt throughout the week um, that he's wrestling with as well, is, is even how do you make these decisions? Um, is it just uh, Pastor Nate discerning what's best? And I imagine Pastor Nate rules with an iron fist. Uh, and so Absolutely. it's just, that's yeah. the way it is. Oh, yeah, top down. Yeah. This is my church. Obviously That's right. kidding. That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, so, yeah, so, so I honor the, I, I really honor the, the, the notion that the, the local gathered assembly really is a kind of a democratic organization with hopefully some good leadership structure. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't end up then helping you when it comes time to make really rapid uh, decisions that might have pretty, pretty long-term impacts actually. Um, I mean, if we close church as long as, uh, schools are closed, for instance, in these three counties in Washington state, then we're going to miss Holy week. That's a big Mm -hmm. deal. Um, so yeah, how do you make the decision? I, you know, I thought I was lucky that on Tuesday I had a a tech study where we spent most of the time talking about what our different congregations were going to try to do, uh, to address the, the virus. But then I was, I thought I was fortunate to have a, a regularly scheduled council meeting that night. Well, everything's changed since then. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure that I can, necessarily rely on the the somewhat slow moving structures of church governance to to make these decisions so i've realized that you know i'm sort of kind of become in a way i'm becoming a a local emergency management professional right that's kind of what the the pastor's the hat that i'm putting on today as pastor Mm -hmm. uh it's interesting i mean just just now while we were talking i had a phone call come through from my council president i'm sure he wants to talk through you know the next the next stage It's, it's interesting the governor's talking right now. And now my, my council president has called. I mean, I think that's really indicative of the the time we find ourselves in these days. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, caught up in all, in, and even it's, it's, it's so crazy. Um, what we do happens at an Episcopal church and in conjunction with the Episcopal, it's not like we're renting space, like we work together. Um, right. And so, so every time we get a big new piece of information. I got to try to find a way for me to touch base with the, uh, with the priest of the Episcopal church. I want to touch of base course, with my yeah. staff. So we all need yep. to get together, except the advice also is not to get together, not to get together. I know, I know. And this is where maybe communication technology will help us out a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm fine getting on the phone or being on email. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I sort of had two, two thoughts about the way that it's going to, I mean, I think it's inevitable that we'll, that we'll probably end up suspending basically all, all ministries that involve person-to-person contact, mm-hmm. right? I, I think there's going to come a point where where all worship is is done, all, all Bible studies and other gatherings are are finished. But um, I think there's sort of two two sort of diverging possibilities in terms of how that might affect the life of the congregation. And I think maybe it largely depends on the way we frame it. Uh, the first is that people might just simply disengage, right? That there's a there's a risk that folks will will retreat into their um, safety zones, right. And, and we'll kind of 
sever their connections, right? And I, th- I think that's that's a, a real risk, and and that's not necessarily good for anybody, even though it might be the safest thing with regard to the the uh, contagion. But the opposite, or the other the other possibility, would be um, that it actually causes us to think creatively and critically about how we do connect, or how we can be in contact with each other uh, safely. But also, uh, in order to provide the same kind of social and spiritual support that a congregation is supposed to do, and not to mention community support. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, my first concern is we, we sponsor a, a weekend supplemental food program for a local mm-hmm. elementary school. And we've got 40 kids that go home every weekend with a bag of food you know, that they can prepare uh, if they need to. Well, if there's no school, there's no distribution of those resources to them. So. I've already had to be in contact with the, you know, Ministry of Outreach in our congregation. Say, hey, can we can we begin a proactive conversation about how we're going to meet that need? Especially since food insecurity is probably going to go up for those kids. They're not going to get free lunch at school. So, right. um, what's it going to look like for us to not only make sure that we're continuing that ministry the way that we've committed to, but also maybe expanding it and quickly? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I thought I knew what I was going to do last night after our conversation with students, because they did express a lot of the, the emotions they were feeling, right? Which were like some like sadness that things had ended, some like they were upset, scared. uh, And, you know, a big part of what we do in campus ministry is to be a a source of stability. Uh, That's one one of the great gifts we have is that we're always there. I'm always there. The whole rest of your life is changing, but we're here for you. Um, And now the, you know, the rug's been pulled out from underneath you. And, uh, and so, so I heard from them lots of like, oh, well, this is, this is what we need you for, right? This is when we need Mm -hmm. you. Um, and yet, oh, it's in tension with, uh, with what, uh, um, you know, what it feels obvious to do, you know? So, right. Yeah. It would be much easier, Nate, if uh, someone from on high just told me what to do. Not just about yeah, this, yeah. but the whole rest of my life would be easier, too. So, oh, of course. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, no, and there's a way in which, um, obviously, that removes the responsibility for some of the uh, more drastic actions, like canceling public worship. I mean, that seems like mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. Um, that then would actually let us off the hook, in a way, to think, uh, again, not to, to take a vacation for six mm-hmm. weeks, but, but to... Uh, to think more creatively, okay, well, you know, if we can't worship, right, the bishop says so, um, then what, what what does it look like to be church, right? And, and then, then, you know, that I had a, a colleague today say something like, you know, it's it's ironic that this is happening during Lent because it's asking us to, uh, it's requiring us to rethink our modes of being together as church. Uh, and what's Lent except a, an opportunity to hit the pause button and, and say, hey, you know, what what is the condition of my spiritual life? What is the condition of my social life, my political life? Um, it's, I mean, it's really, it's kind of a, it's a, it's strange, but it's a, uh, the threat of, of a pandemic is causing us to take Lent more seriously. Can I say that? I think so. I, I, uh, I appreciate your sincerity, Nate, <clears throat> uh, but we can only do so much sincerity on this podcast and perhaps, <laughs> perhaps we can see this, uh, this Lent, as a comeuppance for every pastor who's ever joked that they were giving up church for Lent. Oh, yeah, well said. Well said. Well, Nate, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, We uh, Maybe we'll check back in with you 
who knows, you know, what the future holds for any of us. <laughs> uh, but we'll uh, uh, check back in on our, uh, our Vinyl Preacher correspondent uh, at the congregational level in uh, Puyallup, Washington. Puyallup, so close. Puyallup. Oh, close for the second time. Yeah, good Puyallup. job. Good job. Oh, I'm getting better. Getting better. Thanks so much, Nate. Thanks for the privilege of being on your show. Thanks again to Nate Sutton for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate him taking some time to be with us. Uh, Just a few words about what my experience has been like, though. I do want to let you know that Matt could not be with us today because he was actually in the middle of uh, a Zoom with his office of the bishop with Guy Irwin to uh, to figure out how they can best respond to the coronavirus stuff. Uh, but I did want to let you know a little bit about what uh, our situation is here in Boulder and what we've been doing. Uh, we did find out yesterday, which is on Wednesday, Wednesday at 10 o'clock, uh, the university announced that they were uh, canceling all in-person classes and that we're moving to completely online for the rest of the semester, though, for now. Uh, the campus is open, so dorms are open, dining halls are open, recreation centers are open, the holy trinity of the dirtiest places on campus still open. Uh, so I met last night, as I mentioned a couple times in the podcast, with our leadership team. And just to give you a picture into what things have been like all week, it felt like there was a big snow day coming. I, I spent a lot of time on Reddit. There were lots of conversations with students. We had a faculty member with us. Uh, to present on Tuesday night as part of our programming, and they got plenty of questions about what do you know? What are you hearing? Are they going to close? Are they not going to close? Uh, is it going to snow? Uh, so it had that that feeling of anticipation that, that that something like a snow day was coming. And I guess I was kind of conditioned to think that, you know, the snow day would come, uh, and then we would all celebrate, or at least they would all celebrate, that I don't have classes anymore. Um, but when I met with the students last night, that is definitely not the... the um, the reaction they all had to that, there was a lot of uh, sadness um, and really a lot of anxiety. Uh, we've got plenty of music majors, so what does it mean for a music major to finish uh, six more weeks of instruction online? What does it mean for uh, my dance class? Um, students really prize stability above most things. Students love having a plan, uh, even if they don't follow it. And so now, all of a sudden, there is no plan. Um, so there was plenty of, of sadness, some some anxiety, some angst, and uncertainty. Um, we started to talk about how can we make plans. One of the things we usually do before the end of a semester is make plans for the fall for the coming year. And so we talked about, hey, if you're going to be around, let's think about how uh, we're not going to be able to do that with like a leadership retreat in the spring like we usually do. Uh, let's Let's be sure we have some of those conversations. Uh, but all of that was along with the qualifier of assuming that, you know, we'll be open in the fall and that classes will resume uh, as approaching something like normal. But we just don't know right now. Uh, so lots of those things going on. Um, and again, the most difficult part for me as a pastor and leader in this situation in time is I don't know what the community's going to do. Um our community is never very particularly stable uh, or solid. It's changing all the time, uh, not just having graduations and new students coming in every year, but students' lives and the patterns of their lives change so quickly um, that it's we don't have a phone tree, you know, because people, 
the the boundaries of our community is a little grayer, um, and that people can. It's one of the beautiful things about campus ministry. A student can, uh, in a couple of weeks, become a leader. You know, they can step to the middle of the community very quickly, uh, and just as quickly they could step away. Um, so compared to a congregation, I currently am struggling with how how do we respond and provide stability to a community of folks who, if you're graduating, you were just told suddenly, you know, I think the, the, the process of, of saying goodbye to a place, which is one of the really strange parts about a residential college experience, an important part of it, um, the process of saying goodbye, all those rituals are really important. And those just got taken away from you. I, d- I don't know whether there will be graduation. I would not think that we would have commencement ceremonies like we've had in the past. Uh, and at 10 o'clock yesterday, you were told that your time as a student on campus has come to a close, uh, which is a lot. Uh, how do we provide some stability for folks who are already looking for stability, uh, but for whom everything is up in the air right now, while at the same time uh, being good Protecting the vulnerable, as Bishop we said, um, being proponents, being leaders in modeling what healthy behavior looks like right now. I don't know. Um, we'll keep potting. Uh, so you'll hear uh, a new episode will drop on Sunday afternoon like it usually does. We'll talk about the text for next week. We'll check in with Matt and see what they're doing over at St. Mark's, how they're handling this. Uh, But in the meantime, I wish you all well. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, uh, and may God be with you and making the best choices you can for your communities. It's been real uh, pandemic-y 